Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, have you ever shot a laser-sided AR-15? No, but I have shot a fireball out of a rifle. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who is very afraid of guns, and I'm here with my co-host, who is always strapped and ready wherever he goes, Toby Walters. Uh, How do you shoot a fireball out of a rifle? So I'm like in the early teens... I'm at the shooting range. So my, a couple years ago. Well, I would like to think so. I'm at the shooting range with my dad and his buddy, and he's like, here, try this. And I, I pick up this pretty big gun, and I swear when I shot it, a fireball came out of it. Like, it it shot me back three feet, and I went, oh, goodness. My dad goes, see, that boy didn't cuss. <laughs> he still thinks I don't after that, but uh, it was just in that one moment I was good. I always think of your dad as Hank from King of the Hill. That is exactly it. Okay, perfect. I've never met your dad, but I look forward to the moment. <sighs> I'll make sure he has a natty light in hand when he meets you. So, uh, Blake, you know, I've been uh, occasionally sitting uh, very close to the governor in, at church. Yeah, it's almost like I consider myself his personal security at church. Well, we told you to get some some city things approved, and you're working it. You're working I'm, at church. I'm working on it. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I go and I find our row, and there's two seats right on the, on the aisle that have the reserved things on them. And I know what that means. That's for the governor. That means it's Toby sitting next to this spot. That's right. So I sat immediately next to the governor's seats, and then we were actually saving seats for our neighbors and some other friends. So I'm sitting there for a while waiting for the governor to come. My buddy comes, and he is uh, my next-door neighbor, and he's a reality TV star from California. And I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what he is. And wonderful dude. I love him. Good Christian guy. And so he sits maybe eight seats down. And two minutes later, which like service still hasn't started yet, I hear my phone buzzing. And I pick it up, and it's it's my buddy down the aisle, and he's like, "When's the governor coming? Because I want to talk to this guy." <laughs> and so I have to play security for the governor, even when he's not there. Toby, I'm being security for you, though, so I don't like this scenario where you're being security for someone else. I know, and you're not even there anymore. Anymore, you're the one that left <laughs> our church, you, you Judas. So uh, after church, the governor never comes, and I'm I'm very disappointed. So after church, my buddy says, "Hey, why don't I make it up for you? Why don't I take you shooting?" And I'm like, oh, goodness. That implies he was going to shoot the governor. We didn't get to shoot in church. So let's go shoot somewhere else. Yeah, this this episode's going to get us We're in a lot of trouble We're both on an FBI here, so. watch list now. Um, so my, my neighbor invites me with two of his buddies out to go shooting. And so we go to the range, and all three of them have guns that they brought. And so I got to shoot a, a three fifty seven uh, handgun, a forty five handgun, and an AR-15. And I've... I've like shot guns twice in my life, maybe. I was with you for one of those two. Yes, you were. And so this was kind of a big experience. And as you are scared of guns, so am I. Like it's not, it doesn't feel natural for me. And as I realized I'm with my next door neighbor, reality TV star from California, with two of his friends, one of which is a movie producer from California. The other one is from California. I'm like, man, these Californians are taking over. You're like the most Tennessean Californian there in that moment. I've been in Tennessee for 10 years now, and I feel like I'm almost a native. Have, have you seen uh, Infinity War, uh, the Avengers? I have, but it's been a while. You know when he knights uh, Spider-Man in the Avengers? I knight the a Tennessean. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, at Church of the City, it's almost a weekly joke now with our pastor where he makes some comment about Californians moving to Tennessee. And it's usually like, hey, we're doing this mission project and we need people to give to it. Thankfully, we have a lot of new friends from California and the whole church just erupts. But I don't know if Franklin is the epicenter of the California mass It's starting to feel that way. Um, Church of the City, in the same way they stole you, they stole that joke from Rob as he literally said that as well two weeks ago. Like, I I mean, is... 
is Tennessee kind of a what the the Garden of Eden or something for Californians? Oh, Tennessee's better than the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is the origin of all of our problems. But and what is the cutoff? Is it like obviously I've been here ten years? Is that's long enough in my mind that I'm not the problem? It's what's What's the cutoff? Do we say like maybe COVID if you came pre-COVID? That's a good cutoff. It's less about time and more about do you love Rocky Top? Um, do you love Tennessee whiskey? Uh, do you have your order priorities as Jesus, uh, family, and Dolly Parton? You know, mm-hmm. you got you to gotta yep. get in line with the Tennessee. And maybe we should make you the gatekeeper, Blake, since you're born here, raised here, or die here. And that will keep, that'll help turn people away if I'm standing at the gate. That's right. So I'm wondering if you can gatekeep our guest. Speaking of importing talent from California to the Church of the City, Franklin, the audio squid at Church of the City, Josh Fisher. Josh. I'm not from California. (laughs) Did you live in California before you arrived here in Tennessee this time? Yes. Okay. So there's some honesty. Blake, you're going to need to gatekeep this guy. Do you think he's qualified? Toby, this guy is 6'5", and he's in person, so I can fight him, but I'm not, I don't... You will lose. Well, I was practicing last night. Okay, Josh, uh, are you going to fool us with your lie? Uh, I don't know yet. I'll find out when I get there. It's called prognosticating. You got to predict. Okay, number one, I've always wanted to be a stunt car driver. Do you think he couldn't do that because he couldn't fit in the car because he's too tall? Who doesn't want to be a stunt car driver? Me? That just sounds awesome. Amen, brother. Yeah. That sounds dangerous. Number two, my favorite sport is disc golf. Hmm. Number three. Is disc golf? Wait, do we talk about these now or do sure, we talk whatever about Sure, Well, you can't reveal anything. Just don't can, tell us your you lie. You can comment. But it's your episode, man. Okay, well, if I comment, then I'm going to give everything Is away. it more like is disc golf even a sport? Do we consider it that? Kind of like my favorite sport is table tennis. I mean, we can come back to it. We, I will say I love disc golf, so it shouldn't be a sport. I'm able to do it. <laughs> it's like pickleball is borderline a sport. That's a I have I'm, I want to see that. We're actually yeah. playing pickleball at the fellowship retreat this weekend that you will not be at because you left. Number three, got into front of house when I was nine. I'm just imagining a nine-year-old Josh just like literally crawling into the front of house, like the sound booth and hanging out there. Maybe that was the thing. But. Well, the stories we've heard, the nine-year-old is there for week one and week three, he's running it. So I'm trying to think if somebody's been younger than nine mixing, like maybe Alexa Ross since was, her, hers her was nine was, or 12. Yeah. Okay. Number, okay. Wait, it's, not a, it's not Alexa Ross anymore. She got married. All right. Number four. This joker put seven on here. Uh, <laughs> guilty pleasure artist to listen to is Miley Cyrus. Is that a guilty pleasure to you, Blake? You know, that pl- guilty pleasure comes in like a wrecking ball all the time, and I, I I do enjoy it about once every three months. And see, I would say your guilty pleasure is Taylor Swift, but you just own that loud and proud. Yeah, that would require shame. Yeah, which There's you have all, none of. That's, that's why it's called a guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Number you five. You be a little of it. Okay. Trumpet was my first instrument. Hmm. Number six, I stole the audience from Dave Matthews at one of his shows. Wow, did I write that down? (laughs) How do you steal an audience? Maybe, uh, so he's a a drummer. Maybe, you know, Carter Beaufort just passed out and then Josh hopped on the drums and then stole the audience. Maybe. I really want this to be true. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, how does that work? Number seven, I rode a Ducati monster. It says I ride. I ride. Blake. What's a Ducati? I was so excited that I knew how to pronounce that that I, I didn't say ride correctly. Uh, it's a motorcycle? Good job. Deductive reasoning. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> okay. Um, and Ducatis are like, they call them like sport bikes. They call them crotch rockets. Like they move like rockets. They are so fast. So a sounds, Ducati Monster sounds like an insanely fast bike. That sounds like what a country boy would do. So mm-hmm. he's moving closer to, to mm-hmm. hitting his Tennessee status. Okay, do you have any uh, things you're leaning towards, Blake? I'm going to say the lie is I stole the audience from Dave Matthews at one of his shows because he was so surprised by that, but maybe he's playing me. Could be. See, I think that is, it's such a weird statement that I don't even know what it means. So for him to put that as his lie? You're right. I'm going to change. That's not, that can't be right. You can't just go off my wisdom and then change your answer. Toby, that's literally my whole career. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lock in guilty pleasure artist as Miley Cyrus. Okay. It's hard to get a word in with you guys. I know. Am I supposed to be talking during Not not yet. (laughs) We'll (laughs) let you know when to talk, Josh. (laughs) We haven't even figured out if you belong in Tennessee yet. So, 
<laughs> I'm going to say that he... There, uh, is, there is actually a lie in there. Okay, perfect. Okay, good. So. I'm going to say he never wanted to be a stunt car driver. All right, Josh, okay. we're locked in. You're locked in. Yep. What was yours again? Uh, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Okay. So <clears throat> I was uh, sitting in a casino in South Africa with my buddy Chris McClarney, Corey Edwards, a couple others. And uh, we this, know those guys. This song came over the thing, and I had I stopped multiple times and was like, "What is this? What song is this? I have to know." And Corey Edwards looked at me. and He goes, "This is Miley Cyrus." And I was just like, "No!" <laughs> Do you remember what song it was? Yes, first? I adore you, Miley Cyrus. Title track off Bangers or first track off Bangers, but uh. Before that, it was a party in the USA. We were uh, in California recording uh, one of the records that we were doing for Jesus Culture, and we were all sitting in one room about this big. I was on some V-drums, and I was just jamming to party in the USA, just <laughs> loving it. And uh, so, yeah, Miley Cyrus, I didn't know was my guilty pleasure, but it, it was, like, revealed to me, and I... Now, right, you, now it has to be. Do you know where Miley Cyrus lives? Very close to me. Yeah, right down okay. the street. I know Not, she has I don't know her address, but well, I know she has a farm which literally backs up to Stephen Curtis Chapman's farm. Right. Yeah. So, also, yeah, I was in her all. movie back in the day as an extra. So you were? Yep. I saw her at the her back in her Disney days. Like being an extra is the worst. By the way, it was like eight hours just to stand in a crowd. But you get like fifty bucks. Or you're something? a thespian. Nope. I well, never knew. You know, uh, I've always aspired to be a thespian. Um, my little sister wanted to go, and so I let them submit my picture too, and she didn't get taken, but I did. Uh -huh. And so then I, you know, good big brother, we went to the movie. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> All right, so then what was your my, lie? I got to work on my radio voice, man. You guys got this radio <laughs> voice thing going on. We actually EQ'd our mics to sound like yeah. James Earl Jones uh -huh. <laughs> and you to sound like yeah. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Is that something we can really do? <laughs> sure. Okay, we're gonna just ask Ross to edit our voice with the James Earl Jones plugin. Yeah, I mean, you guys got all the gear in the world here. Yeah, I'm sure James wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, what was your lie then? Back to stunt car you, driver. Yeah, stunt car driver. Um, this was probably a month or two ago. I was on the road with Chris McClarney again. We go we go out about once a year, uh, but he has a little RV that his family uses, <clears throat> and we stopped at the. Corvette Museum mm. in Kentucky yep. and drove some Corvettes around the racetrack real fast. You can do that? You can do that. Blake, can we stop right now and go to the Corvette Museum? Yes, we've passed it many times on a gear run. Uh, yeah, I didn't know they had a track, so yeah. I thought it was just a museum. We go there, you know, thinking they have a track. They're like, go that way across the interstate. So we go. They have like 10 Corvettes lined up. You get to pick one. It's just this easy. You go like this, sign, swipe, pick a car, Drive. It was fantastic. How much was this though? Was this like three grand? No, it was like uh two fifth. Two fifty? Okay. Mm -hmm. We could charge it to the company card. You're right. It'll be content. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. So you so say what I'm hearing is both of us were wrong. You did want to be a stunt driver. Yes, absolutely. I still do. I still drive like I want to be a stunt driver. Hmm. With your four kids in the car? Uh in the no. minivan. Keep it down. I keep it down when they're in the car. <laughs> Uh, mainly when just my nine-year-old's in the car. He, he's going to be a stunt driver, too. There it is. I'm going to live vicariously through him. I do hear that's a good parenting tactic. Um, what was your lie, then? Uh, the lie was the Ducati monster. I don't have a Ducati. Mm. Yeah. He's too tall. That's obvious. We should have known he couldn't do that. Uh, tall people can still ride. Don't yeah, be hyped-ist. Yeah. I do have a bike, but the Ducati actually sits up higher than all the other crotch rockets. It's more, it's not like a leaner over more. It's more like just up a little bit. So higher off the ground. I would like to have a Ducati monster. Let's put it that way. Okay. That's can, what I want to have. Can we get a rebrand for crotch rockets? <laughs> That's Rice what they burner. call them. <laughs> they're way cool. They look really cool, but they're called crotch yeah. rockets. <laughs> okay. We got to talk about. The, yeah. the elephant in the list. Yeah. How'd you steal the audience from Dave Matthews? So I was working for a production company um, called Showbiz down in Atlanta, which is where I'm from, born and raised <laughs> Atlanta. If you want me to turn on the Atlanta accent, I can do it for you right now. He's a real okay. Southern boy. I instantly now accept him into Tennessee. He's not from California. You're, you're in. So our company provided the uh, lawn fields for the lawn. So 
everybody brought in their own PA. We just had lawn fills because they were up in the sky. These are speakers, Blake. Sounds good. (laughs) And uh, so we just had to go up there and make sure. This was my first time. This was at at the Giant Shed in Atlanta. So this is my first time there with the company. My buddy's like, hey, let's go. We have all access passes. Let's go on the roof. I'll show you where all the gear is. So we walk on stage with Dave Matthews. I'm just watching Carter play. I'm, I'm right behind him. We climb up the stair, the ladder. Now I'm above him, just watching him, just taking it all in, just like kid in a candy store. We're there for like 10, 15 minutes. All right, let's head up. So now we're on top of the roof of the shed, heading all the way out towards the lawn, and there's a latch. You go down the hole, and that's where all the spot lights are for the people running spot, and that's where all the amps are for the speaker and the fills. So he he pops the latch and goes down. I'm standing here watching the lawn, just watching these people jam out. I'm just standing on top, right feet right on the edge, you know, 100-foot drop. And, uh, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everybody's like, Rah! and I'm like, oh, man, that was loud. That was cool. And, uh, and so I was just standing there. I was like, I think they might be able to see me. So I was just like raising a hand like this. I was like, and they were like, and this is like 10,000 people on the lawn. And then I raised my other hand like this. And they were like, and so I, my boss is going to kill me. I rip my shirt off and start flinging it around my head and dancing on the edge of this, you know, death. And the, I mean, the audience is just going nuts. And finally, I just like, like, was like waved at him. I was like, peace, put my shirt on, hop down the hole, back to the thing. So uh, my boss called me, like, we got out of the hole and security was walking on the roof. And they were like, we heard somebody was up here dancing. I was like, oh, I was just waving at everybody. I didn't know they could see me. I didn't, I didn't know. don't be dancing up here. I was like, yes, sir. You know, it was just like. Boss called me later. He was like, I heard you were up there. I was like, I, I did. It was awesome. Like, they were freaking out. I didn't know they could see me. Then he was like, I heard you took your shirt off and wore it around your head. I was like, no, no, no. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And uh, so, yeah, I was like, that's the lie. And um, <laughs> he's just revealing it right here that the was, first time. It was deep. You never would have found it. Uh, years later, years later, uh, I was at Thanksgiving dinner and my brother was like, Man, I was at this one Dave Matthews concert, and there was this dude on the roof, and he was taking his shirt off and waving it around his head. And I was like, oh, that was me. <laughs> you know, it was like the big reveal. I was like, that was me. He didn't know about the story? No. You know, I mean, we were like, you know, had our own separate families. I was, you know, somewhere else. He was somewhere else. We were all busy. But, um, you know, but for that to come up, you know was just so random. I didn't think he liked Dave Matthews, first of all, but uh, that is incredible. That's insane. Greatest story of my life. So that lie, you did steal the audience, but you lied about stealing the audience. (laughs) That's pretty pretty smart right there, how he tricked us. Were you married at the time? Got him. Um, No way. This sounds like he was really young. I may have been just married. Like, I'm wondering what your wife thought of the story. Just married. Yeah, I don't remember what she's she like. She's like, I was almost a widow, but yeah. I'm glad that you, you know, <laughs> entertained 10,000 people. Oh, man, it was crazy. I, how do we it go on cr- from this yeah. story? I feel like we just cut it here and be like, mm-hmm. well. What else is on the list? Anything good? Oh, disc golf. <laughs> we got to talk about disc golf. That's my favorite sport. I watch it every tournament online on YouTube. We play over at Crockett Park down in Columbia whenever we can. Um it's like the uh, poor man's golf. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. My best friend is a huge disc golf guy. Yeah. Or the so, uncoordinated man's golf. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah, you, they're talented. Um, we, in college, we did an eight-day, 12-state road trip to play disc golf courses all around the Northeast. It's Jealous. a good time. Yeah. Ah, college. Have so, you yeah, ever, it's like have, I'm back in college again, but... Have I'm you ever played. aced? Uh, I do have one ace, yep. Nice. Crockett Park, it was a you know 200-foot hole, but... There's another one I'll tell you to go to uh, after this recording. It's easy days. It's great. Yeah. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, you said you got in the front of house at, when you were nine. So kind of tell yep. us about your background. Hey, like, thank, Welcome to the church world where you're, you know, my dad was a, uh, my granddad was a pastor. My dad was a worship leader, you know, growing up. So I was always there, uh, not playing drums yet because I was nine. 
And uh, so just back there on analog console, just turning knobs on Thursday nights for rehearsal. That's it. You know, get it, get back there and figure out, turn some knobs, turn it up. <laughs> this is this doesn't sound that impossible. I could still yep. try this. Yeah, you could do that. Just turn up the. You're knob as good as turn. a nine year old at front of house, Blake. I don't know that I would say that. Yeah. Um, so, so that's. That's how you got started. Well, tell us about like your time with Jesus Culture. Like, how'd you get connected to them? How long did you tour with them? Uh, do you miss being on the other side of the fence? And then also, did you ever stand on the top of one of their shows and <laughs> take your shirt off? <laughs> we did have a uh, uh, a no shirt policy on uh, on free day. We had days off. Uh, me and old Jeffrey Cundy. Uh, it, rule number one was always bring your bathing suit, no matter what the climate was. Mm. And we were in uh, we were in Latvia of all places. The high was zero degrees, oh. but in the basement of the hotel was like went water wonderland. It was like under underworld. What was that? What was that? Underwater oh, water world. Water world. Yeah. It was the underworld was, of water world. It was. It was. Man, it was like stories down, and they had uh, heated pool, you know, hot tubs and steam rooms and things, showers that you could just run through. It was crazy. Anyway, rule number one. So, um. It was uh, one day we came down. It, no, it wasn't the same place. One day we came down on free day in some other country, and everybody was on the bus waiting for us, and it was like a charter bus. So it was seats and windows, and we come out just shirts off, just <laughs> suitcases and gear and shirts off, just ready to go. And we're like, free day. So that was the thing. But uh, I got hooked up with those guys in Atlanta. So we were. I was uh, traveling with a band called Fee, who also live yeah. in Franklin now. Yep. And um, they were doing a conference in like one mile from from my apartment. And they were kind of partnering up with our little church there in Peachtree City. So they were like, hey, we need a drummer for, you know, three days or whatever. I was like, well, I can do this day, this night or whatever. And they are like, well, Okay, well, we're going to find somebody who can do the whole thing. Great. I had never heard of these people. I didn't want to play in a conference. And uh, they called me back, and they were like, okay, we do need you for the morning, and this morning and this night. Great, I'll be there. And so I show up, and it's Chris Kilala, uh, Ian McIntosh, Melissa Howell, and Banning, and a couple other people. You know, didn't know them from Adam. And so uh, I'm just playing the thing. And this was like the story that went down in history for for real. And um, we were playing some fast song uh, called Dance. And I was like just scribbling because I'd never heard one of these notes. And I was just scribbling with a pencil on paper and playing with one hand. <laughs> and no. Yeah. They look back and they're like, uh, you know, what is this guy doing? You know, and uh, he's writing his novel, yeah. his life story as he's doing the drums. <laughs> and so, and uh, I mean, that came up later when we did some stuff at Sweetwater. They were like, Do you have, you know, do you have that? And I still have the chart and everything, it's just on a binder. But uh, you were charting as you were drumming, yeah, I was charting. So, like, that's what I that's what I meant to say, but I had never heard these songs, so I was just throwing just random charts down. You know, I don't even know what I wrote, just something that made sense to me so I didn't screw up. That's that's a rule number one in drumming was, well, I don't know if you can cuss on this show, but it's cover your own butt. So <laughs> when the song's about to start, cover your own butt so that you're not the one that screws it all up. Um, so Chris Lala was in the place where he was moving because he was Bethel's drummer for, he was born, I think he's born and raised in Reading. So he was Bethel's drummer for all those years. He was in the process of moving out from the drums and to be a worship leader, and he was leading worship at this conference. And uh, I don't know if you guys know that Chris played drums or not. Mm -mm. Yeah, phenomenal drummer, and uh, played on all the you know early Bethel records. And uh, he actually played on um, How He Loves Jesus Culture. So okay. he was playing for Kim. Yeah. I was playing for him. And um, so he was like, "Yeah, I hear that you might be coming out to Reading." And I was like, yeah, we're, th we're thinking about it. So he sets me up. So we, we decided to go out to uh, the school out there at Bethel. And um, we take 10 days to drive out there, see all the sites. I show up on Sunday night at the church and go straight to the drums. Don't know any of the songs again. 
and uh and I'm playing with Brian and Jen and uh I mean I don't know if this story's funny but it's funny to me but <laughs> that's the that's we'll the tagline you know of me and Toby's yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. So they we start this song and Jen Johnson's like, "Hey, let's start this song real big." I'm like, "Great. I've never heard this song in my life. <laughs> How does it go?" You know, and it's this song that's uh just has a weird, just a different time signature. So it's like a 3-4 and a 4-4. Four, four, and it's like, Lord, let your glory fall. You guys didn't know I could sing, did you? Oh, yeah. Well, we just found and out. And then it just goes silent. Upon the ancient days. And I was oh, like, yeah. great. All right. I know that one. I don't know this song. And so I look around, and I'm like, I stopped the whole band. This is my first day. First song, first day, first rehearsal. I stop everyone. Like, All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Does anyone on this stage know what time signature <laughs> that this song is in anyone and it was like crickets no one said a word and i was like well i'm screwed <laughs> it's kind of important for the drummer to know yeah so uh anyways they started it without me i figured it out a couple of days later and crushed so um uh so yeah i, I was i was playing for chris kilala from that moment on and mm -hmm. you know we just that's that year that I was at that in Reading, that year is when we recorded the record with How He Loves and probably um, maybe Your Love Never Fails on that record okay. too. Yeah. I'm not positive, but... You were recording on that? Right place, right time. Yeah. And then... Right set of skills. Did you come from California then to Franklin? No, I was in California for a year, moved back to Atlanta for about probably four years. Um and started a family, and then we decided, okay, we probably should go back out to California and be with a team. So we moved back to Reading. We're there for a year. Then they relocated and started a church in Sacramento, mm -hmm. which we went with that. We were there for four years. You know, we're recording records and traveling and stuff the whole time. And, um, and then once my oldest was about to start school, my wife was like, Peace, I'm leaving with or without you. I was like, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, so, like leaving the sit like leaving that that state. Leaving, leaving California. State. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So that that was the that was kind of the turning point. She was like, I'm not putting my kid in school in California. I could tell you that right now. You hear me? And um <laughs> And you heard. Yeah. And so we we we, moved, we knew we didn't want to move back to Atlanta. So we just like picked looked at a map and it was like boop. And it just landed on Franklin. Here we are. And I happen to know Chris McClarney. So did you get hooked up with Church of the City pretty through quick? Through Chris, yep, through Chris. And did you jump on staff like right away, or was that a process? Nope, nope, no, wasn't looking for a job. Uh, and um, just started playing drums with Chris at Church of the City. That So that's how I got in. And, of course, started while I was at uh, Jesus Culture in California at the church, I was uh, the audio guy there as well. So I've been doing that for a long time. I was doing that in Atlanta at the North Point scene. Um, so I've always been drumming slash mixing. And, uh, here's my big reveal on this show, Blake, in what year did you move to Franklin? Uh, 2016. Yes. Yeah, Somewhere in there. So, uh, my buddy, Eric, who, um, we'll talk about this later, but he knew you and he said, Hey, my, my friend, Josh, he plays drums with Jesus culture. He just moved to town. He's looking for some work. If you need some help, like packing and shipping. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. I don't really need anybody right now because I was just, I was still in my garage. I didn't even have my basement yet, Blake. So, you know, I could have almost had Josh at Church Gear. <laughs> Do we so actually I'm, think Josh accepts that job? I, hey, I'm not saying he's ridiculously <laughs> overqualified, but, you know, it was one of those moments where like God, you know, diverted the and here we have him back at our whole, studio. Yeah, the hilarious thing about all that is I don't really know anything about gear, so... There Perfect. you go. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on. How do you not know anything about gear if you were mixing all of the... You just close your eyes and floor it, man. That's easy. Once it sounds right. Yeah. Just close yeah. your eyes and floor it. Just, oh, yeah. There okay. We go. So speaking of not knowing anything about gear, let's talk about Church of the City Christmas this year. Because that was a production. Yes, it was. So you had Tommy Prophet, who is NF's producer and a ridiculously talented writer-producer, mm -hmm. kind of produce the whole event. What was that ride like? What was the, you know, the schedule, the expectations? And why did no one tell me? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really cool uh, because I had just gotten into NF stuff by mixing um, a buddy of mine's like R&B 
well, a rap album, he was like, well, I want it to sound kind of like NF stuff. So I never heard of him. Um, I don't listen to rap. So I checked it out and found some really, you know, some of my favorite NF songs and then started like going down the list of, you know, who mixed this? Where do you, where do you get this vocal chain? You know, and I was just literally Googling NF's vocal chain. And so there it is, Tommy Prophet going down, you know, the list of what he did and what mic to use. And I don't remember that part, but he ran all the stuff through two LA two ways, you know, hitting pretty hard going to tape. So uh, that was one of the main things I took away from that. So then he shows up at church and I'm like, bro, I'm like, I just read your, you know, thing about his uh, vocal, NS vocal chain. Tell me about that, you know, and, he, and we got to, you know, just kind of geek out about it. So that was fun. So I was a little bit starstruck, but man, he was really personable and nice. He was like, hey, I want to be recording a live album coming up here soon. What should I do about overdubs? How should I approach that? And then we just got to talk about all the stuff. And, and you're like, I don't know gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do know live recording, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it was fun uh, being with him and just getting to meet him. And he was, like I said, really personal and really nice. And uh, But the production side of it was literally out of control. We had like four different companies we come in and, you know, that we rent gear from. Uh, I probably won't remember them, but I think it was Four Wall, Moo TV, uh, Rhino, and it might have just been those three. Uh, I know we got some staging from somebody. I don't remember who that was, but uh, so <clears throat> like I said, I was probably going to talk about Jory most of this podcast, Jory Johnson and uh, Mark Hengstenberg. My God, those dudes are geniuses. So Jory put the whole thing together starting in July, probably maybe earlier and just had all, you know, just put the whole show together. That was his entire design, like just straight out of his brain and, uh, you know, did all the all the uh, got all the companies working together and set up the schedule and uh, had everybody coming in at you know the right time so we weren't stepping on each other's toes blah 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 uh, just did a really good job and um, you know it was really cool having stuff like blow through walls and and well, that was cool. Did you see the video this. I showed you on my phone? Did I show you that, Blake? It's like a couple seconds. You should send it to me. So for I mean, real. it's an it's an LED wall that that you can see through. It's, yeah, like, it's like low res. Yeah, I guess they call it. And there's it's like a pixel with, like, you know, it's like with space around each pic pixel. So there's space in between pixels that you can actually see through, and so you put lighting behind the wall, and it just gives it like it's, you know. Sounds like, like lighting on lighting. You know, snow coming down yeah. the pass-through LED wall, and then behind it at a big, you know, cinematic moment or whatever, the the spotlights come on behind it to Boom. show through, and the kick drum hits and the lights come through. Kick drum hits, lights come. It was awesome. And it also projects like you know designs and stuff on the wall itself from the lighting behind it. I mean, it was it was fantastic. So uh, we had a probably a twenty-piece orchestra with that, and. Uh, a regular size band, uh, two almost 150 person choir. So you know we had a hundred inputs going on that stage, and Tommy was on there just playing piano. And dude can play, you know. Yeah, he can just play. It was it was pretty impressive. And do you guys have a hundred inputs normally? Uh, not normally. I mean, we have. Do you rent extra Rio boxes? No, we got we have 96. Okay. Yeah, we got 96. So of the. Uh, Revage RPIOs or whatever mm -hmm. they're called. That might be the wrong sure. term. You don't know gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting to figure out if this is a bit, if he actually does know gear and he's just being funny. There's so many letters and numbers involved in all these. I tell you again, Jory Johnson, he he could tell you the model number of this piece of gear right here. He he name he talks gear in model numbers. It's Blake, I think they're kind of like these two camps of tech, techs that like started as techs and techs that started as musicians. And so if they, and Josh, you can speak into this, but if you start as a musician, you kind of approach it more of a musical, creative, artistic approach. And techs are more the like, the detail-oriented technical. They'll tell you every single model number. They'll tell you the specifications of it. and Yeah, totally. And, and plus I learned... I learned how to mix at the console when I was young. So I, I started 
from this side having no clue how it worked. I just knew how to twist knobs and make it make it sound something different, better, worse, ugly, harsh. So um so yeah, just getting on the back side of the console, you know, it's it's almost like I had to learn that. Uh, I wish I would have learned more of it on the road, which I did, but you know, we had so many more techs coming on that I didn't have to do anything. So tech wise, but uh, that's been cool for lighting because I don't know anything about lighting. So I learned from the stage and then worked back and I still don't know how to use, you know, the grandma console, but I know how to do everything from that uh, from the stage to the console. And I love that you called it grandma. That's yeah. what we call it. It too. is yeah. grandma. Why would anyone call it anything <laughs> yeah, else? Right. So, <clears throat> so it's just kind of, you know, doing both things. So learning from the console in audio and then learning from the tech side in lighting. But, and so, um, I think it was about a month ago, I was sitting in my car and I had Christian radio on and I think a David Leonard came on and then a John Reddick song came on right after. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of in a, you know, a unique high presser situation where you're mixing for those guys and like serious artists and Chris McClarney and, uh, then, you know, Tommy Prophet's doing this Christmas thing. Do you feel that pressure or is it just normal for you having lived in the Bethel world and Jesus culture that you've worked with a lot of these artists before? This it, man's got confidence. He took his shirt off in I know. front of Dave well, Matthews. He's 6'5 and really good looking. So well, we same. start there. Shirt's optional. <laughs> um, it, it It's it's not extremely nerve-wracking, but it is pretty anxious. Like Christmas is, is high-pressure situation, I'd say. Sunday morning is not high-pressure, you know. You could bring in somebody like Dave Matthews, and it would still be just the same. Everything's in the right place. That that's the great thing about Sunday morning is everything's in the same place. I, I'm extremely fast on the console. If I need anything, if I accidentally leave Spotify running and it's in between songs, it's like okay, boom, Spotify is off. You know, I do that pretty frequently. Um, but for Christmas, when you have a bunch of new people coming in, the console's all different. You got a, a ton more inputs, uh, live mics, choir mics, feedback, all this stuff, you know. Planning for rolling blackouts. Yeah, planning for rolling blackouts. That happened. Yeah, that, that happened, happened in Tennessee? Yeah, you, you were here. It was like two months ago, Blake. You haven't got a generator at the house. I didn't <laughs> notice. Okay. Yeah, like, hey, we might shut it down. So just in case, be ready. We're like, okay. Um, <clears throat> so it was definitely, it's definitely more high pressure, but just having that, repetition of every Sunday being in that spot, it really helps with just confidence and knowing how to get around when things change, get thrown a curveball, you know, you're pretty quick to get uh, to to find out and make it happen. I mean, really, I think he just feels the pressure to make the governor happy and you sitting next to the governor, though. I mean, every week he he comes from the green room after prayer and he walks right by me and I kind of like, I give him the look and what do, I, what do I say? Two dB louder, please. Yeah, please. Two more dB. <laughs> I always want it just a little bit louder because that's me. I've mm. been working on mixing quieter, so it's like now <sighs> we're kind of fighting Come against on. each other. This but. Is, Josh, this is perfect. Keep doing this and I might get him back at fellowship <laughs> over it. We do hear that it's good to change churches based upon the DB. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, my family went from Fellowship Bible to Church of City about a year ago. I mean, I was just tired of being around Blake. He was fleeing so my often. presence. Yes. I mean, you guys work together. Yeah. You know? And I think uh, this Sunday, uh, Darren said that in the last year, there are between two and 3,000 additional people per weekend coming to church. Ridiculous. And you've got, you now got a third service yeah. and, you know, this vision of the village being built. Um, you're in a, I would say, a bit of a pressure cooker. Like there's a lot of expectations around there. How does the team handle all that just growth and fast paced? Like everything changes pretty quick. Well, it's, unfortunately, it means more meetings. Uh, we've been having <laughs> so many meetings. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> which actually we didn't have. We usually have about one meeting a week production wise, and then everything else can just be said via uh, text or phone call or email or whatnot. But, uh, with this village thing coming up, man, it, it is a large undertaking, and they're really uh, giving it the the AVL side to us. They're like, okay, we've made some mistakes in the past, and we really need you guys to speak in on this, so we don't have to, uh, you know, redig up 
a concrete slab in order to lay mm. an extra fiber line. So gracious, wait, that happens. You just have to. Okay, I don't think that happens, but it might. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we've been sitting in these meetings, and I've been learning a lot. I don't have a whole lot of input when it comes to infrastructure on how to build AVL in a building, but uh, Mark Kingstonberg has tons of experience, and uh, Jory knows exactly what's going on. So I just get to kind of go along for the ride and try to learn what I can. You're mostly and, just a pretty face. Yeah, and I, you know, if you need a, a snack or a coffee, yeah. you know, I'll get you one. Yeah. <laughs> or a drummer that can chart as he drums. Yeah, yeah with one hand. Like, you guys want me to take my shirt off for you? The <laughs> offer is on the table. You know, Toby, it's a shame you didn't get him hired at Church Gear because he really fits our vibe. He sure does. <laughs> We've got some it's not jobs, too late. Josh. It's not too late. Okay. Oh, man, we need more movie quotes in this podcast. <gasps> I'm a big movie guy. I this, just I just said one from a deep cut. I said, well, you want me to take my shirt off for you? The offer is on the table. That is from Billy Madison. Oh, I deep love Billy cut, Madison. Right? You, You've probably, probably never seen, seen Billy. Billy. Yeah. yeah. You know, Who's to, Billy? I did feel what you felt earlier. Nathan's in here. He's 10 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. He's our podcast cinematographer. And I try to say a Team America joke, which is a really crass movie. He doesn't get it. Yeah. He doesn't know because he's a good Christian boy and he didn't see that movie from 2004. <laughs> he wasn't alive yet or barely. And I was like, how could you not? And then I was like, oh. This is how Toby feels when I haven't seen yeah. Hunt for Red October or whatever. <laughs> or whatever you yeah. watch. Or Billy Madison, whatever um, I watch. All of Adam Sandler's movies. Man yeah. from the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> Blake's like, what? Is yeah. that a real movie? <laughs> and I don't like this anymore because I used to laugh it off. And now I see how annoying it is when the youngin doesn't get your joke. Oh, it's true, man. Our, we had an LD, Nick Chang. What up, Nick? Oh, yeah. And, uh... God, that kid just turned 20, I think. And it's like, man, you don't get anything that we're talking about. And even like with Jory, you know, Jory would say something, Nick would be like, I don't get it. We're like, wow, <laughs> kids these days. Yet he can program the, the yeah. crap out of a lighting design. Oh, so talented. Yeah, I've beautiful. Heard, I've never met Nick. We're ha hoping to have him on the podcast yeah. uh, soon, but I've just heard like that kid is so talented. Yeah, and he... I guess he grew up doing it in church. That's where he learned. I mean, the church production, or at least the kid trying to get into production, has such an opportunity starting at church these days. It's ridiculous. I mean, my monitor, you know, longest-running monitor guy, Corey Edwards, who went on— Who's that? Who went on to do just Not much. everything, <laughs> uh, you know, I— I just am proud to call him a monitor guy, and he's probably like, uh, I was a monitor guy at one point for you. And uh, <laughs> but uh, man, he started in church and he knew, like, at, he was probably he was underage, they wouldn't hire him, they wouldn't allow him to do it. He was like, I'm doing it anyway, here we go. And now, man, he just just jokes on them for thinking they shouldn't hire Corey Edwards. That's hysterical. That seems like Pedal how Corey operates. Yeah, he's like the Michael Jordan mm -hmm. of production. You tell me I can't do it? Watch yeah. me. I'm too young, not good enough? Yeah. Corey Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, Josh, before we do your tech takeaway, I've got to ask you one more question, because kind of the theme of your episode is handling high expectations in church production, and you just, when I, when we keep asking you all these questions to try to get you to admit that you're feeling pressure or things are going hard, they're just rolling off your back. Like, it, what do you attribute that to? Do you are you just kind of a smooth operator? You're like I'm not going to worry about it too much. Like four how, kids, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. four is it the drummer in you that's like I live in the chaos. I love it. It's yeah. It's just being extremely comfortable slash confident slash I know exactly what you know a church worship should sound like a worship service, uh, and so. And then being able to actually pull that off, you know, some people can't pull it off. So knowing knowing what I want and being able to get it is is really what makes that happen. And then of course having the tools that you know are, allow me to to be fast and to man make other people look good. I mean that's really what I'm doing is making other people look good and then inspiring everybody else that's in the audience to uh, really join in. So it's like, if I can make them look good and try not to be a distraction, it's really difficult to not be a distraction. That's why, you know, I just said I'm trying to 
run quieter lately just to keep the complaints away and to actually see if I can do it, you know, if I'm not talented talented enough to run quieter and not get taken up by my own desire to just blow people's, you know, socks off. Um, so there's a lot to it, but just it really is about experience, the amount of experience. That's what it is. So I've been, you know, doing church worship services for I don't even know how long, since the 90s. So just being in that scene and knowing how it all runs, knowing how it flows, being ready, paying attention, and just, you know, being ready and paying attention, that's one of the main things. It's like driving. It's like if you can just pay attention, you're probably not going to get in a wreck. If you pay attention at front of house, you're probably not going to miss a cue, you know. So hmm. um, I, I'd say that, just experience and, and staying in the moment. I guess that's kind of my as the drummer too is just as the worship drummer of Jesus culture that was one of the main things is just staying in the moment being right there anticipating what's happened next and just making sure that everybody's experiencing the same thing that I am or slash want them to experience you know I'm gonna start complaining now that it's too quiet and I'm gonna mm -hmm. like I'm gonna make like 50 complaints and maybe like yeah. you know one from Sam and one from Betsy and yep. one from well one you're I'm in Toby, let's talk strategy here. Uh, Betsy is the type of a name that would be complaining about it being too loud. You know, no, like I want Sister I want Martha to throw him say. off that you know, mm -hmm. old lady Betsy. Whoa, old lady Betsy wants it louder. Well, I man, I really should. Maybe it's uh -huh. way too quiet. Here's what you should do, Toby. You should take the church gear van to a retirement home, load up as many gray-haired people as you can <laughs> that can't hear anything. Take them to Church of the City, have them coach them up, have them all hey, go up. Y'all want to see the inside of my van? <laughs> <laughs> have them all go up to the tech booth at the end of the service and go, it wasn't loud enough in here. How do you expect me to worship the Lord like this? And just, there you go. Or if I could just get the governor <laughs> to <laughs> tell you, can you turn it up a bit, son? Well, that's the problem. The governor has it turned down, you know, like in a van. The governor keeps it from going too too fast. Enough about the governor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Guys, these guys only talk about the governor. Oh, they're just going to keep on going about the governor. You doing the Jim Gaffigan voice now? Yeah. yeah, there it is. He's so good. I know. I love it. <laughs> All right. So, Josh, uh, take us home on a tech takeaway, man. This is essentially your unique piece of advice to that would make a church uh, service better on a Sunday. And you've got a lot of experience to pull from, from Jesus culture, from being a drummer to now on the other side of the booth. Like, what is something you've picked up? It's it's more fun when it's quirky that you'd yeah. be like, this will make your Sunday better, philosophical, technical, any of the ols. Oh, I haven't thought about this. You guys are putting me on the spot. That's all right. Here. We can vamp if we need to. I mean, he kind of already had one. Stay in the moment and stay ready. But well, that's the thing. I kind of try to cheat these now. I, I try know. to get two tech takeaways yeah, out totally. of people. It makes for good clips mm -hmm. on social. Uh, you know, rule number one is don't suck. So <laughs> if you can, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we put that in my job description. Yeah. I'm still working on it, but. Yeah, so you know that's what we're trying to do at all at all times at all points in every day is to just uh, kick butt. That's what we do. We just try to kick butt. So um, in <laughs> even in the even in the corporate things we do, just be like me and Mark going in. I'm like, all right, you ready to kick some butt? Yep. And then it's just talking head. But you know, it's um, I guess it's always wanting to be excellent, maybe even the best. I try to be the best at what I do. Uh, I know there's people like Corey Edwards out there, but... Um, but he was once your monitor engineer, so... Get some. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I try to learn a bunch from him. I, I talked to Corey, uh, even when we were on the road, when he was mixing with uh, Daigle and, and uh, Elevation, I was always behind Corey Edwards, just just watching, listening, gleaning. And whispering, don't suck in yeah, his ear. don't mm -hmm. suck. And just basically fist bump and be like, all right, let's kick some butt. You know, and it's just like just just ready to get pumped to just make it, just to be there and just make it as good as I possibly can with the lack of talent on the stage, you know. <laughs> like Chris McClarney, geez. <laughs> if he could only learn how to strum a guitar, we'd be in a lot better. I'd, I'd look a lot better. <laughs> I, I think I would reframe his tech takeaway to essentially – if you strive for excellence and you have a lot of energy while doing it, you will not suck. I don't know why you're trying to reframe don't suck. I think that's perfect. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, all right. Uh, my T-shirt budget did get cut for 2023, just so everybody knows. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Josh, man, we appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug? Anywhere you want to point people to? Um, 
I, I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't have anything to point anybody to. Is that a, is that moment you with your shirt off the Dave Matthews band on YouTube or <gasps> somewhere deep on the web? Absolutely not. <sighs> For real? You don't have it anywhere? That was pre-paparazzi. Yep. Man, that's a real lost moment in time. Maybe somebody can recreate it and then tag you in it. Man, that's what makes great stories is you don't have to, you can't look, you can't watch it. You have to be told. That's true. That's how the lore builds. Mm-hmm. Man, with everybody in their camera phones these days, it's out of control. Just the paparazzi's everywhere. Back in the day, you could do stuff like that and have a great, you, you know, the story is gone. Has the story disappeared? No. I mean, old stories are still here, but new stories. Are there any new stories now? Now it's like, look at this story. <laughs> Look at my phone at this story. That's a good point. <sighs> so those millennials ruined everything. Blake. I know. That's what they did. <laughs> I'm definitely anti, uh, you know, I'm in the tech world, but I'm anti-technology and yeah. phones and all that stuff, even though I have one and I couldn't have gotten here without it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the social media thing, yeah, I don't do any of that. So I can't plug any social media, even though I even though they exist somewhere out there in the wild. Well, they way. exist because I stalked you on them. That's right. how I found you. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Josh. And since you don't have any social, we'll never hear from you again. But it was great this time we had. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> we'll have to do another in-person podcast, you know? Make, I know. Make don't, it real. Don't threaten me with a good time. Technological-less. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Blake, I'm wondering if uh, somebody out there can recreate that moment from the Dave Matthews concert. Church Gear is not legally liable if you fall <laughs> off the top of this building, but you should do it and tag us, but we are not liable. And I think, uh, I mean, if they're watching some of this online, they, they see that Josh looks like either Paul Bettany or like a really normal good looking version of Conan O'Brien. So you gotta be tall, you gotta be handsome, and you gotta be willing to climb up onto rafters hundred feet above and take your shirt out. Yes, and if you do that and post it and tag us, we'll repost it. And should you not be able to accomplish such a feat and you just wanna repost something from this episode, we'll repost that and that would be cool. But I don't know how the uh, the shirtless thing up hundred feet won't go viral. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.